Before we begin today's interview, I'd like to invite you to become an Explore Purpose Insider. Each month, I host a Zoom call with Explore Purpose listeners to have meaningful conversations about purpose and what it means to live with purpose. You'll also get weekly updates and helpful articles and videos and more related to living with purpose. Our next meeting is Thursday, April 7th from 7 to 8 p.m. Eastern Time, and it's free, and I'd love to have you join us. Click on the link in the show notes below, and you'll be in. Welcome to Explore Purpose, the podcast designed to inspire you to live a life of purpose so that you can make a greater impact on the world around you. Hi, my name is Conrad Weaver. I'm your host, and I'm excited to share this new content with you today. I'm very grateful that you stopped by. Does the company you work for, or maybe you're the owner, does your company have a purpose? If so, can you quote back to someone what that purpose is? Maybe you create widgets, or perhaps you're a restaurant or some kind of service agency. That's what you do. Now, what's your purpose? Today on the Explore Purpose podcast, my guest Jim Witt talks about guiding companies to discover their purpose and how that has transformed their business. We'll also talk about a process for discovering purpose. So let's get into it. Here's my conversation with Jim Witt. Well, Jim Witt, welcome to Explore Purpose. So glad to have you on the program. Thank you, Conrad. We ha- I had you on my previous podcast before I rebranded it to Explore Purpose. I had you on the My Story. And so if you are listening to or watching this uh, episode, go back and find Jim Witt's story where we kind of did a deep dive into his purpose journey. Really an amazing story. So uh, go back and listen to that episode. And I'll put the link in the show notes below. But Jim, uh, today we want to talk about purpose and we want to talk about business purpose so tell me how your business discovered purpose. Well, my business discovered purpose when I discovered my purpose in life. And that's a red letter date on my calendar. March 21st, 1988 was the day that I discovered my purpose in life is to help people reach their full potential. And that completely transformed my life. It took me from working for a major corporation as their national marketing manager to uh, moving my family into a rundown old farmhouse and starting a business that I didn't know how to do, uh, failing in six months and rediscovering the reason that I was doing everything I was doing was because uh, a year earlier, I had actually written down in my seminar notes <clears throat> under the date, March 21st, 1988, my purpose is to help people reach their full potential. And when I reread that, living in this rundown old farmhouse, not knowing what I was going to do, it was as if God spoke directly to me and said, you figured it out, Jim. Focus on that and watch what happens. And that was over 30 years ago, and it launched me into the business today that I'm still engaged in. And I've traveled all around the world as a speaker, as a consultant. I've written three books. I'm considered, as you said, an expert in, the, in this field. And I'm just as amazed about it as everybody else. (laughs) It's even people say, well, how'd you do that? And and I say, well, it's real simple. I, I discovered my purpose in life and then I developed processes to help other people discover their 
purpose in life. And lo and behold, it worked for them too. And then I discovered processes for businesses to discover their purpose and to create purpose-driven organizations. Mm. You know, that's an interesting that you bring up processes because just a few weeks ago, I listened to the uh, Craig Groeschel Leadership Podcast, and he was talking about when you have a goal, if you don't have a process for that goal, the goal is just an idea and you're not going to get anywhere, but you got to have a process. So what's that process for a business to not only discover purpose, but then to live that out and to keep that purpose in front of their employees in front of, you know, in, in front of their, their work? Well, you know, I, I used to get on a plane and have the conversation that we have, you know, we ask each other, well, what do you do? What do you do? And I'd tell them, well, you know, what I do is I, I help uh, people and organizations reach their full potential. And well, how do you do that? Well, I help them discover their purpose. And they looked at me like a cow standing at a new gate. <laughs> they, they had no idea what I was talking about. Because 30 years ago, nobody was talking about purpose in business. Hmm. That was, you know, it was like, you might as well tell me how to go to the moon. Hmm. And, you know, I get off the plane and I, I realized that nobody that I was talking to had a picture up here in their, their mind, in their schema of what kind of an organization I was helping them create. Hmm. So I'll, I'll go to my shameless plug here. I sat down and I wrote this book. Writing Great book, by the way. It was a fun read. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you. And, and the reason I wrote it was is because I got tired of explaining it to people. And as you know, it's an allegory. It takes place in the future. Hmm. It's about a rancher in Oklahoma that's going broke. And he doesn't know what to do. And he goes to San Antonio and he hears this speaker who talks about discovering your purpose in life and how do you apply that to business? And it provoked the rancher to apply it. And he creates the model organization of the 21st century. And it's all based on purpose. Mm -hmm. And so when I started giving that book to people or I tell them, they say, well, can you do this? I said, well, read the book, buy the book. If I saw them and I had a copy, I'd give it to them. And if I didn't hear back from them, that disqualified them. <laughs> We're not going to have any conversation here. If I got a lukewarm response, that disqualified. Hmm. But if they said, man, I really liked your book, and that's the kind of organization that I want to create, I'd say, we got something to talk about. Hmm. And so they already had in their minds what the process was. And it's built like this. If you have a diamond and like a baseball diamond, uh, what I do is I, I draw on first base, I draw purpose because that's where it all starts. At second base, I draw partnering. Third base, I, I, I write pioneering. And at the bottom where home plate is, I put profit. Hmm. And that's, that's the whole process right there. Unfortunately, though, in business, we always start where? With profit. Home plate. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> kind of like, well, you know, and that that's just it's it's bass backwards. Mm -hmm. Is what you have to do is you have to identify what the purpose of the organization is, and uh, you know, typically with an organization, and is we put together a leadership team, and everyone on the leadership team has to read that book, writing for the brand, mm. and then I have a debriefing guide on it, an action guide, if you want to call it that, and they have to complete that, and we get together. And we talk about that as a group because I want to make sure that they can take the principles from my book, this allegory that takes place in the future, and apply it to their organization. And you can start seeing the light bulbs come on. 
And then the second part is, is once we do that, we start moving to partnering. And you don't have to be uh, vertically integrated to succeed, but you have to be virtually integrated. You have to get other people that want to buy into your organization's purpose, and they want to partner with you to help you fulfill that. Hmm. The third thing is pioneering. And it's interesting that, that we are naturally goal-seeking, pioneering people. We always want to see what's over the hill, what's over the, the mountain. So we have to pioneer and look into the future. And I have a, pro- a pioneering process that I use with them. And I sit down with, uh, and I, I try to include as many people in the organization as I can in this process and break them into small groups. And I've done this with as many as a thousand people in a room before, but we break them into groups of like five. And the, the four questions, and they can be changed just a little bit depending on the organization. But the first question I ask is, what did the world and in your industry look like 30 years ago? And the second, and so I let them, you know, they write down all their answers and they share it mm-hmm. with the rest of the group. It's really interesting because, you know, 30 years ago, everybody can, yeah, well, I know it's like 30 years ago. Second question is, okay, I want you to go 30 years into the future. Mm-hmm. What's the world going to look like 30 years from now? This just blows their minds because, you know, the first list is a mile long. This list gets a whole lot shorter. (laughs) But I I asked him, I said, don't use any judicial thinking. I want you to be just as futuristic as you possibly can be. And uh, they come up with some interesting stuff. They really do. Third question is kind of be like, uh, okay, uh, if that's what the future is going to look like, what is this organization going to have to do and look like? to succeed in that future. Hmm. So right then you're already, you're building the elements of designing that organization, not for success today mm-hmm. or tomorrow, but 30 years from now. Well, that's something that I think most people don't think about. They think about now, what can I do now that's going to bring me profit, that's going to make me wealthy, that's going to you know, allow me to impact my customers uh, now. But it's not, you don't think that far ahead so often. And, and if you're thinking now, you're behind. Sure. And, and that's why people say, well, you watched 30 years. And I said, okay, well, you've gone through strategic planning sessions, haven't you? Yeah. Well, how far do you usually look out? Oh, three to five years. Mm-hmm. So the question I ask is, is can you remember what five years ago, what, what, what it was like? And they go, oh, yeah. And I said, how long does it seem five years ago? <laughs> Just like that. Mm-hmm. So I said, okay, now the reason for that is, is if you only look five years back and you apply that to now, you're just simply seeing now as an extension of the past. Mm-hmm. And you'll keep doing what you've done in the past. And if, if people don't believe that's true, go back to 2008 and all these major corporations that had entire strategic planning departments all failed at the same time. Mm-hmm. At the same time, they all went over the cliff at the same time. Why? Because they were simply, they weren't projecting the future. They were just trending. So when you're trending, you just keep doing what you've been doing. Mm-hmm. So that's why I go 30 years out into the, into the past, because you can remember that, 30 years into the future. Now what you have is a 60-year window that you're looking at. Mm-hmm. Now that's really kind of cool. Yeah. And then what I, I ask them to do next is, is, okay, the fourth question is, what are we going to have to do? to build that organization that you just told me you've got to be to do that. And that changed. I I built this back in, I think, 1999 for for a client. 
And we completely overhauled their entire organization, changed everything for them. And that's when I realized, well, man, you know, I've stumbled on, to, you know, a really great process mm-hmm. here. And it's not your traditional strategic planning process. Uh, this is really, it, it is, a, it's a pioneering process. Mm-hmm. And then, so the last uh, part of the diamond is home plate and that's profit. If you do those three things, start with a purpose mm-hmm. and you partner with others for that purpose and you pioneer together, you're going to make money. Mm-hmm. And then you take that profit and you plow it right back into the same model. You step up to the plate and you get a hit. You go to first base again. Mm-hmm. What's a, a story? You don't have to name the company if you if you can't or don't want to. What What's a, a, a company that you took through this and what happened in their organization? Well, it's a company that you're very familiar with, Servitech, which was part of the movie that you produced mm-hmm. and that I worked with you, you on. And uh, when I started working with them, Mitch Counts had heard me speak. The CEO had heard me speak at a meeting in uh, Colorado. And he had been part of an executive forum group that was using my book as part of their forum. And he found out I was there and he came over. Somebody, he, you know, working with the organization came over and said, uh, hey, somebody would like to meet you. And I said, well, who? And he goes, well, it's Mitch Counts. He's the CEO of Servitech. He said, would that be OK? And I said, sure, bring him on over. We'll eat breakfast. Well, Mitch and I got acquainted and he gave me his book. And he said, would you autograph this for me? I said, sure. <laughs> and it's like he was meeting a celebrity and, and we got acquainted. And as a result of that, I started working with him and worked with him for about seven years. And they got it. And they had, you know, one of these mission statements that was about that long that nobody mm-hmm. knew. Nobody could repeat. It was meaningless mm-hmm. like mission statements. And we helped them identify what their purpose was through that process. And their purpose was to make the planet more productive. Mm-hmm. And they're the largest crop consulting group in the world, one of the largest laboratories for soil analysis and feed analysis in the world. And so the greatest problem that we have in the future is how are we going to feed the 9 billion people that are going to populate the earth in the year 2050? Mm-hmm. Well, to do that, we have to make the world more productive. There's a limited amount of land that we can use for crop and livestock production. So, and what happened as a a result of that process is five years into the process, we increased their revenues by 50%. Wow. Yeah. I mean, it was just unbelievable. In in five years, in five years. In five years. And uh, Mitch has since retired and he's a wonderful guy. You met him and you got- Flew with him in his little airplane. Yeah, that he built in his basement, basement, right? (laughs) Now, there's a you talk about process, Conrad. There is a great example. Mitch was such a great CEO to work with because he actually did what I told him he needed to do in the process. Mm -hmm. And here's a guy that built an airplane in his basement with nothing more than a blueprint, you know, and he turned the page every day and he built it and, and it flew. Yeah. And I remember telling somebody one day, they go, you, you flew in a plane with a guy that built it in his basement. And I, said, <laughs> I trusted him more than I would on any commercial airline. I didn't forget. <laughs> on. I said, I, I watched him build that airplane for a two or three years. You know, mm-hmm. I'd go down to the basement when I was out there working with him and, and we'd go in and see what progress he'd made. So that's a good example yeah. of process. There's others, teeter irrigation, Monty Teeter, you're going to have on. 
uh, worked with them. Uh, you know, was Monty's company at one time was the largest center pivot uh, distributor or dealer in North mm-hmm. America. And their purpose is to make every drop of water count. Mm. Now, you and I both know that the real critical issue in the world, you talk about global warming, climate change, anything else you want to talk about, but it's water. Sure. Yep. Because without water, nothing else matters. Yep. And unfortunately, people still don't understand that is a crisis that's right now that we can impact and do something about. Mm-hmm. So it's important that we make every drop of, of water count. And I could go to two or three other examples with you, but you know, there's two examples that you're familiar with mm-hmm. and the people that I've worked with that uh, are very impactful. So when you go through with a company and you help them discover their purpose, then how do you keep, they bring on new people, they might bring on a new, they might even bring on even on a new CEO. How do you keep that purpose in front of everyone and keep them focused on that? Well, that's a tough chore. But the way that you do that is you have to give them, you know, a template. So we have them read the book. (laughs) (laughs) And then they complete the, uh, you know, the action guide that goes along with that. And it's important that it's the CEO, it's his responsibility. He has to preach the purpose. Mm. He has to be the evangelist for purpose and he has to mean it. And there's four qualifications that I have for creating a purpose. And and if you don't hit these four, you don't know what it is. You just got another mission statement. Number one thing is it has to be positive. Uh, We're put here on earth to do something positive with our lives. People want to be part of something that's positive. That's one of the problems that we have, I think, as a nation and a world right now. We are focused on so many Mm -hmm. negatives, everything Mm -hmm. that's wrong. And it's on the TV every day and the radio and the newspapers. And it's like, after a while, that poisons you. Sure. So your purpose has to be positive. The second thing that it has to be is it has to be powerful. Mm. It has to get your blood to pump and you have to believe in it. And you have to be a one, you have to want to be a part of it. You want to have to want to partner in that. The third thing is it has to be simple. And there's a real simple requirement for this. If I ask anybody in your organization what the purpose of your organization is, can they tell me? in one sentence, using exactly the same words every time. Mm-hmm. If they can't, you don't have it. And the fourth thing is, is it's serving. And everybody is put here on earth to serve other people. Mm-hmm. And if you do it as an organization, it can be working with, say, Mother Teresa, who cared for the sick and dying in the streets of Calcutta. Or it could be something as capitalistic as Sam Walton, who mm-hmm. built the world's largest retailing empire. And all he did was focus on on 100% customer satisfaction. Hmm. Those are examples that, uh, that everyone can, can relate to. Mm -hmm. So if, if I'm a business owner and we've been making widgets for, you know, somebody and we're selling widgets and we're, you know, in the widget business, how can I say that what my purpose is, how can I figure that out? You have to go through the process. <laughs> <laughs> See, we all would like to say, oh, our purpose is this. Well, you know, first of all, you hadn't even thought about this before. Mm. Most businesses are just trying to stay in business. Mm-hmm. They're so busy doing business. They're not 
actually building the business. Mm-hmm. But that the process that I just described to you is how you find that purpose. Mm-hmm. Once we go through the pioneering process, then what we do is we involve people in writing the story, the the future history of the company. Mm-hmm. They have to, it's like, I've used different magazines like Time Magazine or Forbes or whatever else. And the year is, well, this is 2022, so it'd be 2052. Mm-hmm. So in the year 2052, Conrad, your company has just been named as the model organization of the 21st century. Mm. And you have to write an article about what happened between then and now that got you to be the model organization of the 21st century. And as you write all this out, and then we take these and we see, and now you got people participating. Mm. It's not just the senior management that came up with something and said, okay, all you munchkins out here, this is what we're going to do. <laughs> you, we want you to participate. They have to take ownership of it. Sure. Mm-hmm. If they don't own it, you don't have it. They're the ones that have to make it happen. And as a consultant, that's really what I'm doing is I'm facilitating the process. They're the ones that are actually doing it. My job is to keep them in that process. Then mm-hmm. we take all those articles in and, and we condense those into one story that that's the future history. And now what you've done is you've had the employees of the organization create that story. They're part of the story because they wrote part of the story. Mm-hmm. You've got a little bit of piece of, of everybody in that organization to do that. Mm-hmm. So once you've done that, then you take ownership of that. Once you take ownership of that, then that's not the organization's purpose. That's your purpose for the organization. And let me take that a step further, if I might is if you help every person in an organization discover what their individual purpose is, then what you have is the company purpose over here and you have the individual purpose and it comes together. And then they see, oh, I see how my purpose in life is helping the company fulfill its purpose as an organization. When you have that, you have engagement. Now, everybody talks about what engagement is. That's what engagement is is when I get up every day and I realize what my purpose is and I go to work with the company to help the company fulfill its purpose. You just answered my next question in, in this process. Do people discover their own purpose in this as they discover, as they explore their company's purpose or do they have their own purpose first and then their, the company's follows? That's a great question. <laughs> and, the reality of it is, is we as individuals are just like CEOs of companies. No one's ever challenged us with this concept of purpose. Uh, you know, Dan Pink came out uh, several years ago with a book called Drive. I don't know if you remember mm-hmm. that, but, you know, what he found was, is that what people really want from their work is number one purpose. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't have anything to do with money. Mm-hmm. It was purpose. And the second part of it was it was autonomy. And the third thing was mastery. Those are the three things people wanted from their jobs. Well, then, you know, Simon Sinek came out here a few years ago with the book of, uh, what was start with why? Mm-hmm. And see, those are, they all come back to purpose. Mm-hmm. That, that's what it is. So when you provoke people and, you know, Monty Teeter was the one that, one of my first clients who asked me one day, he says, what do you call yourself? And I said, what do you mean? He says, what's your title? I said, I don't know. Cause I just started being a management consultant when, my first client made me one. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> I said, well, I guess I'm a management consultant. And he says, no, you're not. And I said, I'm not. And he goes, no. He says, you are a professional provoker. <laughs> he says, 
all you do is you provoke me and you provoke me and you provoke me. And I got to thinking about that. And I thought that is what I do. Hmm. I provoke people. I want to provoke individuals to ask themselves, ask themselves the question, what is my purpose in life? Hmm. I want to provoke organizations to ask the question, what is our purpose as a business? And then the responsibility is theirs. If you, I tell people this, and we'll move over here and include the individual at this point, okay? Mm -hmm. Is I can't tell you what your purpose in life is, but I'll give you a shovel and I'll tell you where to dig mm -hmm. if you want to find it. And then, of course, there's another shameless plug because that goes back to this book, <laughs> the transformational power of purpose, how to find and fulfill your purpose in life. And so people, I've done it with them. I've coached them through it personally. I've done it in seminars with them. I've had people just take the book and work their way through it. And the prerequisite is, is if you want to find your purpose, you will. See, mm -hmm. and you'll find. And the cool thing about it is we were all created from the foundations of the world for a purpose. Mm -hmm. We're not here by random chance. So the creator wants mm -hmm. you to know what your purpose is. So what you have to do is start looking for it. And when you start looking for it, you'll find it. And then one day as you're going through the process, see, mm -hmm. again, and I can't tell you where in the process you'll find it. You'll go, wow, that's it. That's what my purpose in life is. And they write it down and it has four qualifications. It has to be positive, powerful, sinful, and serving. Mm -hmm. It's those four things go into that. And I, I make a bold a promise to people. When you discover what your purpose in life is, your life will become electric. Hmm. People and circumstances will come into your life at appointed times. You'll discover uh, abilities and talents that you never knew you had to help you fulfill that. I told people, I'm, I'm an old cowboy. I grew up in Osage County and you know, everybody hears about Osage County now. And it's, <laughs> and, and I, I, I cowboyed. And, you know, I didn't know what I was going to do for a living. I didn't want to go to college, so I enlisted in the Army. And uh, I flunked my physical. <laughs> so after a couple of jobs, I ended up being foreman of the Methodist Boys Ranch in the state of Oklahoma. And then the superintendent and I got into it. We had a personality clash. Can you believe that? <laughs> and, he, and he fired me. So I tell people, I said, what do you do when you've been rejected by the Army and the Methodist? <laughs> <laughs> I, went to, I went to Oklahoma State University and they accepted me. <laughs> What's that and say I, about OSU? <laughs> <laughs> and as a result of that, uh, m my life started changing. I went to work for the Ralston Purina Company. I was in sales and then I went to work for Central Soviet Marketing. And But I always felt like I was a V8 engine hitting on only about four cylinders. Hmm. Through that whole process of searching and searching and searching, I thought I was searching for a new career or a business or something mm -hmm. like that. No, I wasn't. I was looking for the reason for my being. Mm -hmm. I was looking for the purpose for my life. And when I found those old notes on that yellow legal pad that I wrote down over 30 years ago, and I had written my purpose is to help people reach their full potential, it launched me into what I'm doing today. And I've been doing it ever since. And I can't help but do it. I have to do it. Talking to you right now, I, I have to share that with you because I know it transformed my life. Look at me. I'm mm -hmm. nothing special. 
if it happens for me, it'll happen for you. I don't know what your purpose is, but I can tell you some really wild and crazy things are going to happen in your life mm-hmm. when you discover it, start acting on it. You mm-hmm. might even end up being an associate producer for a, a, a movie. With <laughs> <laughs> you just might. <laughs> I mean, yeah. think about how we met. Yeah. You know, I was out there at a reception in Dodge City where you were uh, previewing your, not previewing it, but showing for your film there. Yeah. And I just asked you the simple question, what's your next project? Yeah. And you said, well, I'm, I'm thinking about doing something with water. And I said, well, you know what? I need to introduce you to some people that I work with. Yep. And it took us and all the way up to the governor's house in Kansas. <laughs> yeah, it took us all the way to the governor's house. Uh, you know, you got to meet the people that I worked with to mm-hmm. purpose-driven organizations. And and see how that <clears throat> impacts agriculture, food production, and and how those people in their individual lives and their companies are truly feeding a hungry world. Mm. And because you were living your purpose, you allowed me to discover. I mean, really, w- when I first started thinking about purpose was after I met you, and I read Good. your book. And I read your book and that was really the catalyst, the first early catalyst for me. Although I have to say, I was, I, I gave a talk at my high school, my high school graduation. I was the only senior. So technically I was a valedictorian, but because I was the only senior, I was valedictorian. <laughs> it was a very small school. Yeah. So I gave, and you know what the topic of my speech was that day? I wow. was, I was 18 years old. What is the purpose of life? Oh man. So I feel that my journey has come full circle. I started out as a senior in high school asking, what is my purpose? And now I'm, you know, at, I'm 56 years old. I'm looking at the last third of my life, you know, ahead of me saying, okay, now what is my purpose? And it took me all these years to come to this place where I know my purpose now and I'm moving into that. And my purpose is to inspire others to live their purpose and make an impact. Amen. Because when we don't have purpose, we can't make an impact. Uh, we can't have as great of an impact. No, you're, I tell you what, you don't need, need me on this podcast. You just need to, <laughs> you need to tell your story. The thing that I, what you experienced is I've I found that with a lot of people that I've helped discover their purpose, they were living their purpose all along to varying degrees. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's it's kind of like driving down the interstate highway and you kind of have an idea where you're going to go and you don't know exactly. So you get off on an exit, mm-hmm. you know, and you drive around a little bit and say, no, this isn't it. You get back on. Yeah. We've all done because yep. we would up and ask for directions like our wives told us to do. <laughs> and, and then we're, we're doing that. And when we're, we're kind of veering back and forth. Another example that I would use is it's like a plane. You know, a plane's only on course 1% of the time. The rest of the time, it's making corrections all the time. Mm-hmm. And through your life, there's times where, boy, you just feel like everything's just right. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's work. You can feel that you're on purpose. Mm-hmm. Now, you can't describe it. You wouldn't use those terms, but you, you have that, that, that it's kind of like a Zen feeling or whatever mm-hmm. you want to use. 
the stars are lining up for you. But then there's other times where you feel like, man, I'm just struggling. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what in the world I'm doing here. And, and I tell people, if you're struggling, that's good. Because there's value in the struggle. Mm-hmm. Because now you're using the shovel and you're starting to dig. Mm-hmm. And then I, 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 I tell people, the people that I really worry about are those that aren't struggling. Mm-hmm. Because either one, they don't care. They're apathetic. Mm-hmm. Number two, they've given up. They just don't mm-hmm. believe. They, they think it's like that movie, as good as it gets. Mm-hmm. And you, you think, well, is this is life just like this? Is this as good as it gets? And the third thing is, well, I know what my purpose is. Hmm. And if you do know what your purpose is, you're still going to struggle. Sure. Because that's what refines you. Mm -hmm. That's what you have to have to keep you working on that purpose. So that, you know, 30 years later, you and I, our paths cross. And you're fulfilling your purpose. You and I are talking here together. This, hopefully will impact millions of people mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that you're going to be because you and I just happened to, to cross paths yep. and we're each fulfilling our purpose and see the, the thing is, is I'll guarantee you it works. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you all I have to do is say, look at Conrad Weaver. Mm-hmm. Now it, it may have taken him a while to get there, mm-hmm. But every experience he had, and when you discover your purpose, I tell people, you can look back on your life when you discover what your purpose is. And you can make sense of the good, the bad, and even the ugly chapters of your life. Mm -hmm. You had to experience all that to get to where you are today so you could fulfill your purpose. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of people who are in a situation, and I'm, you know, working with a lot of first responders right now on my current project. And in the first responder community, uh, they retired, you know, after 30 years of maybe in law enforcement and they're in their mid fifties and they have worked long enough to get their pension. And now they retire and they pass away within two or three years. That the average life expectancy of a police officer is 58 years. And I feel that they have put upon themselves, this is who I am. I am this thing. And now I am not this thing. So no longer have purpose. That's right. How do you keep, how do you distinguish between what I do and who I am? Because too often we confuse that. You describe, described a problem that for, I would say, paramilitary organizations, firefighters, mm-hmm. policemen, mm-hmm. and the military. When you go into the army, if you actually passed your physical, unlike me, (laughs) then the first thing they do is they put you through a boot camp. Mm. What they're doing is they're acclimating you to military life. And every day you're focused on what they would call the mission, Mm -hmm. the mission of your branch. And they break it all the way down to the mission of your platoon Mm -hmm. and, and your part in that mission. You do that every day. And then all of a sudden, uh, your your time is up, and you're it's it's almost like you've been reprieved. You're released back out into society. Mm-hmm. They don't have a boot camp for that, hmm. so they struggle. I've lived my life for the last twenty or thirty years because someone that laid out this is what your purpose is. This mm-hmm. is what you do. 
and now you're lost. Mm-hmm. Their sense of purpose, if, see, if this is what, and, and I worked with a guy um, who was part of uh, Oklahoma State University's uh, entrepreneurship program. They were doing it for veterans to help them start businesses. He was a former Marine and a former Green Beret, mm-hmm. suffered from PTSD. Mm-hmm. And I was coaching him and I was coaching him via Zoom, you know, long distance. Mm-hmm. He was in California or Colorado or maybe both. And I was in Oklahoma. And there'd be times, Conrad, where he would just go dark on me. Mm-hmm. And he told me, he says, you know what we really need? He says, we need a purpose boot camp for whenever you get out of the military. Mm-hmm. I would say the same thing would be true for uh, policemen, firefighters, any of those people. Mm-hmm. If we can do that's something that ought to be included as part of their curriculum. We ought to be doing this for them. Mm-hmm. And we ought to be doing it because of everything they've done for us. Mm-hmm. Sure. They, they have served us. We need to put them through. Uh, this can be done in a, any way that we want to. If I've worked mm-hmm. in different organizations, do mm-hmm. it differently. But wouldn't that be great if we could take those firefighters? Yes. And that's something that we can talk about this offline, but I have some thoughts on that. Well, good. We can... Because I've been trying to do this for years, but as you know, anytime you're working with government entities, there's a certain amount of bureaucracy that you yeah, just got. Sure, sure. But, but that's what we need to do. And that's what we need to do to help those people. Mm-hmm. They deserve it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and I think, that for a lot of us, I know for a long time, you know, I called myself and sometimes I still do a filmmaker. This is who I am. But if uh, so, a few episodes ago, I had a friend of mine on Whitney Hahn. She's a business leader here in our community. And so when we started the podcast, I said, so Whitney, you know, tell my audience, you know, who are you and what do you do? And she said, well, who am I? I'm a Capricorn. I'm a I'm a Pittsburgh Pirates fan. And and we laughed. Because that's how what we typically that that was different than what we typically respond when we say, who are you? Right. Mm -hmm. When people ask me, who am I? You know, who are you? My typical my first response is I'm a filmmaker. I'm a podcast host. And that's what I do. You know, when I ask you, who are you? You're a professional provoker. Right. And but that's that aligns with your purpose. And see what you're describing and this. We've been told this all of our lives. It's unfortunate when we're small children, we ask adults, you know, what am I supposed to do when I grow Mm -hmm. up? You know, and they tell us, shut up and stop asking so many questions. (laughs) Go to school, get good grades, get you a good job. So you make Mm -hmm. a lot of money so you can retire. So you can die. Right. And That's the track we're given. You just described that. So whenever you're retiring from the police force or from the fire department and you're 58 years old, mm-hmm. you followed the, that path, didn't you? Mm-hmm. you? You did all of that. And see, the question we need to be asking of children, and we need to get this into our education system, mm-hmm. is whenever they're asking, what am I supposed to do when I grow up? Is we should be saying, well, first of all, we need to help you discover your purpose in life. Because you can do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. See, every being a filmmaker is just a vehicle. Yep. Absolutely. Being a speaker, 
being a speaker is just a vehicle. Mm-hmm. Being a consultant or an author, or, or, or even for me as a, a filmmaker, mm-hmm. I've done all those things, but that's not me. Mm-hmm. Those are just the vehicles that I use to help people reach their full potential. Mm-hmm. And I'm having to create new ones because we had this pandemic that destroyed <laughs> my career as a professional speaker. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that's devastating when you have your career, your, your vehicle mm-hmm. completely taken away from you. Yeah. If that's all that was, you know what, I'd be just as suicidal as. And I think know, that's what, that's what a firefighter, a police officer, uh, even a dispatcher, those are our public service folks that has been the vehicle for their, because almost everyone in the first responder community, they want to give, they want to help, they want to serve. That's their, that's their purpose really. And their vehicle is that agency that they signed up for and the badge that they wear. And when they lose the same that, thing, true for people that get into healthcare. Sure. And then what they find is, and this is unfortunate too, is they end up battling the bureaucracy mm. just so they can fulfill the reason that they became a policeman or a firefighter or a nurse or a doctor in the first place. Right. Which is also sad. But see, whenever you're on purpose, you can persevere. Mm. If if you're not on purpose, you can't. It's just it life is just too tough to persevere mm. without a purpose. Yeah. And people that commit suicide don't want to die. They just see no purpose in living. Right. So for our audience, tell what's something practical that a listener can do today to begin moving their life toward purpose? Well, I guess the first thing I'd say is ask yourself the question, what is my purpose in life? Just ask yourself that question. If you can't answer that question, but you want to answer that question. That's the second part of it. You have to want to. Uh, no one's going to make you do this. I'm not going to make you do it. If you want to do that, then you have to engage in a process that will take you to the discovery. And Conrad, that's one of the reasons I'm really happy that you're doing this, this purpose series. Mm-hmm. Is In essence, what you're doing is being an extension of me. Because you're telling the story that will get people to ask them that that question. So I would say, first of all, they need to ask themselves the question. They need to listen to Conrad Weaver's purpose series so that they can hear other people mm-hmm. that we're, we're talking about how they're fulfilling their purpose in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they want to know, I have a process that they can follow that'll help them discover their purpose in life. I don't know how it works. I don't think I'm supposed to know how it works. All I know is it works. And if you really want to do that, you need to engage in that process. And uh, you, you'll get there. That's that's the main thing. Mm-hmm. On the other side, for the business, mm-hmm. this is more critical today than it's ever been before. Because business, I, I, I feel so bad for small business people. Mm-hmm have had their entire businesses they worked a lifetime for that, that's had to take them away from them. It, and I would say this for any size business is if your people can't answer the question of what's the purpose of our business, then you better get to figuring that out because you're not going to be here. It, you know, you ask why 30 years? And the reason I chose 30 years is 30 years, if you look in the Bible, 
is a generation of people. And it takes a generation to implement meaningful change. That's why it took uh, the Israelites 40 years to make an 11-day trip from Egypt <laughs> to the Promised Land. Mm-hmm. 11 days if they just walk straight in line. <laughs> now, they had to wander for 40 years out there. And finally, you know, that, that generation had to die. Mm-hmm. Because they had a slave mentality. They, they mm-hmm. couldn't understand what this whole idea of we're being liberated. And that may not be a bad analogy for of the world and our, our, our country where we are today, is that the, we have to understand that this process takes time. Mm-hmm. Y- y- your, your process, it, it, it's taken you 30 years for you to come to the place of truly understanding your purpose, right? Mm-hmm. It has, yep. Well, it did me too. It took me 35 years, six months, and 16 days. Mm-hmm. That's March 21st, 1988. Mm-hmm. At that point in time, you have to say, and I use this exercise all the time, I'll use it right now. Let's just say that your uh, average age, if you use actuary tables, let's just use 70 years, okay? Mm-hmm. That would be 27,365 days, I believe, something mm-hmm. like that. So take your age right now and convert times 365, and you'll come up with that number of days and subtract it from the 27,365 days. And ask yourself a question. How many days do I have left? Hmm. Now, a lot of us are on the short rows. Because <laughs> I, I turned 70 on September 5th. But I, I, I don't care when I go. Because I know for the last 30 years, hmm. I've been living my life on purpose. I've been fulfilling the, the purpose for which God put me on this planet. Now, there's been times where I haven't done a really good job of it. <laughs> but every day, mm-hmm. that's what we should be doing, is getting up, putting one foot in front of the other and just marching towards the fulfillment of our purpose. Don't worry about the results. Mm-hmm. We're in the efforts business. God's in the results business. Mm-hmm. Not the other way around. That would be the conversation that I would I'd, I'd like to share with every one of your listeners, and I think I just did. Mm-hmm. How many days do you have left? What's your purpose in life? What's your process to get there? Mm-hmm. I think great stuff. That was great stuff. You know, and that really aligns with I'm reading reading Donald Miller's book right now called Hero on a Mission, and part of his process that he does to help people discover purpose is to write their obituary. Mm-hmm. And he, in, in his process, what he does is he reads his obituary three or four times a week. He gets up in the morning and he reads that obituary that he wrote. And it gives him focus. Because, you know, because it reminds you, just like you did, that we have an end date. We have an end date. And when we live with the end date in mind, it really begins to sharpen our focus on, on, on living. And not just and, getting through the drudgery of the day, but it, it gives us focus. You, you may remember uh, Mitch Albom's book, Tuesdays with Maury, mm-hmm. which was turned into a TV movie. And it's about 
Mitch Albom's mentor, a professor that he had in college, and he's dying of cancer. And so Mitch meets with him regularly until his death. And his professor tells him one day, he says, Mitch, he says, if we would come to grips with the, the idea that we could die at any time, he said, we'd live our lives differently. Mm. And we could die at any time. You and I could kick the bucket right here on this episode. Mm -hmm. But if, if we had that in our mind, then we'd live our lives differently. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, we need to, uh, let's go discover purpose. Jim, you've been an inspiration to me for a number of years. And so I want to say thank you for what you have done. Uh, not only for me, but for companies around the world. And uh, thank you for what you are going to continue to do in living out your purpose and provoking others to uh, toward purpose and meaning. So, well, th uh, thank you, Conrad. And thank you for, for putting this out because you're impacting people's lives because you're helping them actually write the story of their life through this podcast. Well, thank you. And we'll be sure to link to your books and your information in the show notes. If people want to have access to that, you can click through on that and uh, check it out. I encourage you to, to get the book and uh, to learn to and, and begin to discover your purpose along the way. If you'd like to connect with Jim or order one of his books, check out the links in the show notes below. Hey, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please subscribe and leave a review. I'd love to hear what you thought about the show, and I'd love to hear how you are living out your purpose. And be sure to follow us on all the socials. Check out the links in the show notes. And don't forget to sign up to become an Explore Purpose Insider. Click on the links in the show notes to learn more or go to explorepurpose.com. Until next time, go out and make an impact by living life with purpose. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you again next time on the Explore Purpose podcast. <music>